All right, good evening, everyone. Those who are in the back can come and make their way and find a seat. Um, I just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're so excited to have you here and um, to have really this, this uh, special service of worship together. Um, really, that's our focus. Uh, there's fun traditions with the Christmas Eve service, but our focus is to come together and to worship God together. And um, we are going to do a candle lighting at the end of the service. And so I just want to say a reminder, if you didn't grab a candle, um, when we stand in a second, that would be a good time to go to the back and grab a candle. Uh, we're going to begin with singing. And so would you all please stand as we sing together? Sing joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven. Joy to the world, we will sing, sing, sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks hill. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. 
Yes. Praise be to God. You can have a seat. Good afternoon, church. What a pleasure to be together on Christmas Eve. And Merry Christmas Eve to you all. Pastor Greg asked me to share with you this evening. He actually asked me if at the end of the evening I could take about 15 minutes and do a little bit of a devotional on the Christmas theme. And uh, I decided to take some liberties. And instead of do that, we're going to sprinkle a few little readings between some of the songs tonight. Little bite-sized chunks. And I think will uh, be enjoyable and uh, good for you. So I'm going to read a couple of things this evening that were written by a gentleman who lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan, an author named Jeff Ostrander, a gifted writer. A lot of his stuff is published on Facebook in small pieces, and he has thousands and thousands of followers. He tends to write things that are based on biblical accounts, but from the perspective of somebody who is a participant in the story. So they aren't scripture. He takes the scriptures and the story and imagines, if I was this guy who is taking part in the story, what would my perspective be? And so we're going to look at a couple of things tonight. There are the perspective, fictional perspective, of a couple of people who are participants in a true story. And then we'll finish the evening by looking at the actual scriptural account of the birth of Christ as it's recorded in Luke's gospel. And I hope you'll enjoy that this evening. It did occur to me, however, and I thought maybe we'd address this first thing uh, in this first reading tonight, that Christmas isn't always a joyful experience for everybody. I'm sure there are people here in this room tonight who have experienced tremendous loss in the last year or who have difficulties and problems with family or business or finances or other things that make Christmas kind of a difficult time. I've been there. Mo many of us have. About five or six years ago, when I was going through some of the most difficult days of my life, I wrote down some things, some reflections on how I balance my desire to acknowledge the advent of Christ and celebrate that without feeling very merry. Here's some of what I wrote. We who have experienced terrible loss or who even now are going through hardship and trauma can have a difficult time celebrating Christmas. I've had some tough Christmases too. Here are some thoughts I wrote down a few years ago when my life held its share of pain and turmoil. One year when I observed that you don't have to be merry, stick with me. This isn't a humbug story. I've thought this through because honestly, feeling merry is a bit of a struggle sometimes. Life is full of hurts. A lot of them go under the magnifying glass at Christmas time. As a follower of Christ, I'm supposed to be rejoicing in the Advent and making merry. Then when I don't feel all that merry, it makes me feel guilty that I'm not acting the way I should at such a joyous time. That kind of makes it all even harder to be merry. But the truth is, Jesus didn't come to make us merry. That wasn't God's plan at all. The world is broken, and people, that's all of us, are fallen and faulty in the deepest and most profound of ways. That leads to all kinds of pain. There's been a lot of hurt for a long time. Some of these things are the product of broken down world, and some are products of broken lives, but they all bring pain. The idea of Christmas wasn't to magically fix it all here, but to make a path for us to something that's beyond this life. There's nothing wrong with being merry at Christmas time. Wishing people a Merry Christmas is kind, but maybe it's good to remember that being merry isn't the primary value of Christmas. It isn't even something that is important in the celebration of the event of the birth of Christ. 
Maybe more than merriment, the pain that people feel along with the holiday is more in line with the reason for the season because the pain is why it all happened. Fallen people, broken lives, the decay of disease and death are products of the day when sin first became part of God's creation. Even on that day, God had an answer, and it was that a child would be born, the Son of God, born of a woman in the most humble of circumstances. Wallowing in pain and regret is harmful, but feeling those, thi feeling those things is not. A reminder that it is because of the brokenness of people in a fallen world that God sent a Redeemer is exactly what we need. So whether we take communion on Christmas Eve, sing songs together, remembering that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins and to apply his righteousness to the shortcomings of people who had put their trust in him, it's because of the pain, the sin, the wrong, the brokenness and the death that it had to happen. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Maybe outwardly and boisterously fun celebrations with friends and family. Maybe in a quiet inward reflection about how the hurt that you feel and the wrong that caused it is exactly what Christmas is all about. The very best among us is a scoundrel. Most of us are even worse. We need a savior, seriously, desperately, and God sent him. So it's Christmas. Let's be reflective, be aware, and it's okay to be merry. Would you stand with us again as we sing?
From the perspective of Mary, something stirs in me. No, someone. I rest my hand there. Wait, feel nothing. Too soon, my mother says quietly, watching me from the corner of her eye. She looks at me as she does when she thinks I'm ill, looking away without quite looking away, watching carefully for signs of trouble. Tonight, she worries about my mind. You're in no shape to travel, she says. Wait a few days. Wait, she means, until I get over this crazy idea. Wait until everyday life wears it down and drowns it out. At first she feared there might be something in it, the pregnancy at least. If so, better for me to get out of town before anyone finds out. Now she's decided there is no man, and so I'm not pregnant. And so it's better to play along and let life gradually change the subject I told her about Gabriel, at least I started, but she shook her head and turned away. Oh, dear, oh, my dear girl, what dreams you have. She chuckles in a friendly way, but I can see her alarm. Angels are not easily explained, not quickly drowned out by trips to the market and evening meals. Mother, he told me I'm to have a child. He did, and the baby will be called the Son of the Most High. There's a clanging of pots as she kneels at the cook fire, Covers my crazy words with a racket. Seeks refuge in ordinary things. I could almost wonder if she's right. Who ever heard of such a thing? That a girl should conceive without a man and give birth to a great king? And even if this could be, why would it happen to me? But I know what I saw. I know what I heard. I've sought you, O God of our fathers, sought you with all my heart since I was a child. You have heard my prayers, and you've seen me, and I will not turn away. It's from the perspective of Joseph. Blood oozed from my knuckles and left a smear on the board I'd smashed, but my anger changed nothing. And I'll tell you straight off, this is no Bible story, no tidy tale about clean and perfect people. The girl I loved, the girl I was soon to marry, her belly swelled with a child that could not be mine. I stormed out of the workshop and wandered for hours through the autumn fields, trying to make sense of it. She had sawn my heart in two, and my thoughts jolted 
between the bright hopes of yesterday and the cold, dark betrayal of today. Even now, I could almost believe her, stare into her beautiful, earnest eyes, believe with all my heart that we'd never been together and her pregnancy could not be denied. Exhausted, I trudged home, having found no answer except that I loved her still. She had told a beautiful, earnest story to explain the child, a story that proved she'd lost her mind. I would break the engagement quietly, let her have whatever peace she could find as a crazy woman and an adulteress. The next day I was staring at the floor in my cluttered shop, kicking at the sawdust, leaning on a cabinet when a man walked in. That is, there was a man standing in front of me, though I had not heard him enter. Joseph, he said in a voice that rumbled with authority. I looked up and blinked because he was tall and his face was bright. What she tells you is true. There is no other man, but God himself is doing this. And the child she carries will be called God with us. Now go and bring her home. I woke with a start and realized it had been a dream. But somehow I knew it was all true. I ran across the village to her parents' house and pounded on the door, shouting her name. When finally it opened, I panted out an apology, stared into her beautiful eyes, and begged her to forgive me. Well, that's how our marriage started. And in a way, it got harder. Let's stand again and sing. child is this too late to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping whom angels greet with that them sweet while shepherds watch our
sing this old song together. Come now long expected Jesus. Just our voices. Let's sing this together as a church. Come thou long expected Jesus born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee Israel strength and consolation hope of all the earth thou art dear desire of every nation Joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever now thy gracious kingdom bring by thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone by thine all-sufficient merit Raise us to thy glorious throne. By thine all-sufficient merit. By thine all-sufficient merit. Raise us to thy glorious throne. Amen. You can be seated. From the perspective of Mary, early the next morning, I leave a note on my bed and slip from the house before mother wakes. A dewy breeze washes down from the fields. A bright moon glares overhead. The road is a white serpent winding out of the village and into the hills. I settle the bags over my shoulders, tap the small lump of money in my pocket, and begin to walk. I'll go to my cousin Elizabeth, who Gabriel said is having a baby in her old age. Joseph waits at the edge of town, smiles when he sees me, lifts me gently onto the donkey as if I were a doll. Well, my beloved, he says cheerfully, an adventure. We fall in with a caravan of merchants heading to Jerusalem and a few days later finally reach Elizabeth's village. My good Joseph gives me a tired smile as he helps me down. Whew, he sighs. Hope we never have to do that again. I laugh, why would we? He leads the donkey away to pasture and I turn toward the house. 
Elizabeth hurries toward me, her wrinkled face beaming, then gasps and jerks to a stop. Her hands settle on her swollen belly and tears run down her face. Oh, my darling Mary, blessed are you for believing the Lord's promise, and blessed is the son you will bear. Even now the child in my womb hears your greeting and leaps for joy. I suddenly feel as I did when Gabriel came, as if my heart might burst with surprise and wonder. It is really happening. God is doing a new thing, a thing beyond our imagining, and for some reason, he's doing it with me. I'm overwhelmed, and my soul glorifies the Lord. Well, months go by. Now it is evening. We are in a barn far from home. A gush of water has just soaked my skirt in the straw where I lie. Joseph's eyes are wide. He holds his breath as he does. He's trying to stay calm. My own breath comes in ragged little whimpers because I am suddenly frightened and the room is so cold from Joseph's perspective. Before the baby came, at the worst possible moment, we were ordered far south to Bethlehem. The road was long. Her back hurt terribly. I was thirsty and sore, and we were both layered in dust. Holy people probably don't quarrel, but we did, especially after we dragged into town and couldn't find a place to stay. The baby was God with us, but this didn't feel like a Bible story. I finally found a barn with enough room between animals for Mary to lay down. Tired and dirty, we crawled in and collapsed on the straw. And then her water broke. Of course, I remember the angel, and yes, I knew something important was happening to us, maybe to the whole world, but I could only think how badly I had managed things, how another man would have done better. From the perspective of Mary, a baby is coming right now. We do not know how to do this, or even what the baby might be, something gleaming like Gabriel, a mighty spirit, Surely not a fragile, ordinary child. Joseph mounds the straw to make me a nest, gathers the rags of swaddling cloth as if arranging the tools in his shop, caresses my hand in the quiet moments between my cries. How strange the Son of the Most High is soon to be born, and here we are dark and alone. When the baby comes, I watch the joy on Joseph's face. Watch him dab his wet cheek against his sleeve. Watch the slow, gentle dance of his rough hands as he cleans the child and hands him to me. Hands to me my son, my Lord, my God. I take the baby in my arms, cradle his little head in my hand. He's small and soft. He does not gleam or fly or speak. Instead, he nestles into my chest, seeking food and warmth, and I finally realize it is true. Our God has put on flesh and intends to live among us. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. From Joseph's perspective. But then the child was born, all bloody and small. I took him in my rough hands, cleaned him as best I could, and handed him to Mary. And all the time, a feeling was growing in me that brought tears to my eyes. This baby was with us, all right. Not other, better people. Us. 
not smarter, stronger people, but us. Tired and dirty as we were, sometimes crabby, poor people, a little lost, strangers in this town. I couldn't think why God would make himself a little child and live with anyone. But here he was, nestled in Mary's arms with us. I knew he was God, especially after the train of shepherds and the angels and the stars and the foreigners. He was God, all right, and that's a miracle to be sure. But he chose to be with us in all our want and grime, and that's another kind of miracle entirely. For our next song, we're going to actually invite our kids to come forward and sing it and lead us in it. Um, so kids, come on, make your way to the front. Uh, the song is Away in a Manger, a very familiar Christmas song. Um, but as our kids are singing, we want them to lead us, but please sing along too. It can be scary being a kid and being up here. Um, so please sing along with them as well. Um, as, they, as they make their way up, um, we're, we're going to get set in place.
Most of you know my wife, Jessica, and uh, she's joined me tonight for a moment. Jessica, what is your official role with Vero Bible Fellowship? I chair the missions team here at Vero Bible Fellowship. So missions from the start of this church, from the very foundational meetings that we had, we decided we wanted to have international missions. That's teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to people in other parts of the world, for that to be an important part of everything that we do here at Vero Bible Fellowship. So how does that play out in the work that you do? Absolutely. From the very start of VBF, 10% of all giving has been allocated for missions. But they also, the Pastor Greg and the elders asked our team and tasked us with putting together a team that didn't just give to anybody who asked, but to... Uh, make sure that it wasn't just a good cause or a social program, but that we carefully researched and vetted them and to make sure their work was centered on the gospel and the Great Commission. And so people, instead of just giving money to good people who seem like they're doing a good thing, they have to be vetted for their quality, the efficiency, <laughs> yep. effectiveness, and being part of, of sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. So what, that's a good story, but why are you up here tonight? Well, every year we allocate two organizations to give us special Christmas Eve offerings towards. And so of the two organizations, uh, would you like to tell us about the first one? Sure. Our first one is Missionary Flights International. They work out of the Fort Pierce Airport. Uh, they work all through the Caribbean region. They help missionaries and organizations. It doesn't have to be Missionary Flights International, just the organizations working in that region. Um, and what they do is they get critical supplies, or any supplies really, to those missionaries that work down there. It is not very easy. Like if a, a church here in the United States needs something, they can go on Amazon and buy it and hopefully get it. But um, not the case really in most of those countries. And so they send the supplies down there. They also do the critical work of if there might, is an emergency evacuation, they will fly down there and get them. Um, right now, they are working to get a third plane in the air to contribute to the growing work, but also they work very closely in Haiti, and with all the absolute suffering and disaster going on right now, they want to be poised and ready to get uh, supplies there when it opens up and they're able to get in. Okay, so our Christmas Eve offering, part of it goes to helping equip them with an additional plane to do their important work down there. I love the fact that the, the work that they do uh, through other organizations. So if we, if we give to them, we're helping a lot of different ministries. I, I think that's great. What about the second organization that we're helping for their Christmas Eve offering? Yes, our second organization is called Life International. Uh, if you were here last year for our missions conference or two years ago, you, you actually heard Kurt Dillinger. Uh, he's the CEO and he talked about it. But for those of you who don't know, they work all over the world and they teach about the Father's heart for life. And they teach that we have an enemy that seeks that hates God and seeks to destroy his image bearers. Um, they deal with all life-related issues. It could be abortion, end-of-life issues, uh, ethnic cleansing, tribal welfare, uh, undervaluing of disabled people, which is incredibly common in most countries around the world. And right now, they're in the middle of doing a research project in Israel dealing with core life-related issues that are shown through Bible stories. It's going to be very impactful and our Christmas Eve, just Eve project, it will go towards helping them plan and put together that new curriculum. They're a great, great ministry. It's being so effective all around the world. So our Christmas Eve offering will be split between these two organizations, Life International and Missionary Flights International. If you'd like to give tonight, there's a box in the back of the room where you can uh, do a gift. If you'd like to give online, you can do that by going to our church's website, verobiblefellowship.org. 
uh, or else you can give any time uh, this weekend or the next week. Just make sure you mark it Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve offering, and uh, we'll make sure it gets to these two great ministries. And pray for these two organizations as well, Missionary Flights International and Life International, as they do their important work around the world. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, well, we're going to sing a song next that um, really is an invitation. Uh, you know, we all walk into this room in a different place. Um, some of us walk in celebratory. Others walk in uh, sad. Uh, some walk in proud, while others walk in desperate. Um, and the beautiful thing, I think, about this song is that it shows that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not for those who think they have everything together, but rather it's those who realize their need for it. It's those who realize they are in need of a Savior. And so um, we're going to sing this song, and I just invite you wherever you're at um, just to, to really use this song. I invite you to sing it with us, but to really use it to have just a moment between you and the Lord to, to bring to him whatever is, is going on in your life and, and whatever, whatever place you came in um, tonight. And so would you stand as we, as we sing this song?
Let's continue to sing. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Yes. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Yes. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this?
everything that we've talked about this evening is to bring focus not to Mary or to Joseph or to kids who are singing on the stage or a choir or the congregants or the candles that we'll hold in a few minutes, but to bring our focus to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the advent of God who put on flesh and dwelt among us to bring joy and peace and salvation. But it's also important that we understand that those things, that joy and peace and that salvation, those things are not applied universally to all people. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, just hearing those words, John 3.16 brings the words back to your mind probably if you were raised in the church or been around church much. The most known Bible verse of all, and for good reason, because this Bible verse tells the whole story. Listen to it. For God so loved the world, that gives his motive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's his action. His love for us motivated him so greatly, seeing us in a situation of sinfulness and separation from God. He loved us so much that he gave his son that whoever believes, not everybody, not universally applied automatically to all people, but whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And if you're sitting here tonight celebrating the season with us, you're welcome, and I'm glad you're here to do that. If you're doing that without knowing for sure that you have a right relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, then tonight I invite you to come and talk to me, to talk to Pastor Greg, who's sitting here, one of our elders who will be up front at the end of the service, and let us show you from God's Word, based on truth and not speculation, how you can have your sins forgiven and be right with God, because that's what this is about. That's what we celebrate tonight. And as we finish our celebration of that tonight, I'd like to turn not to another fictional account that ignites our imagination and draws us into the story, but for, to the truthful account recorded by Luke in the gospel and the Holy Scriptures and the Word of God. Listen to what he said. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. I'd like to invite you now to stand and take out that candle that was given to you. And, and Brenton, Brenton will lead us. Come to the part, part of our service, service now, we're going to sing Silent Night together, and so uh, the elders are going to um, distribute the light so that it is uh, spread out with everyone, and we'll sing together. Uh, I'll instruct you at the end of the song, we'll hold our candles high, but don't hold them yet. Keep them, keep them low at first. our candles high now for the final verse and sing this together.
Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Amen. That's what we celebrate tonight, that Christ our Savior was born. Um, just a few things before we leave. One, please safely put out your candles. Watch the kids. Um, we do have a bin for the candles in the back near the door, so you can drop them in there on your way out. We also have hot chocolate on the other side of the room if you'd like some of that. Just want to say thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, and a reminder that we do have church tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., an hour-long service. We invite you to be with us if you can. Uh, thank you for being here tonight, and Merry Christmas.